Today's guest talks imposter syndrome in both her writing and her career. Why changing your perspective and trying everything can be the keys to success. So grab your journal and let's grow, girl. Greetings, friends. Are you feeling frustrated or stuck in the student to professional transition? Looking for early career growth or dreaming of the next step in your journey to greatness? I'm Jody Lynch Findlay, your thriving equine professional, podcaster, speaker, and coach. Inside this podcast, you will gain clarity through tactical advice to better understand yourself and others. You will build confidence to boldly pursue your dreams on purpose, and you will grow your community, uncovering tools to cultivate an intentional community supporting your journey. So let's dig in. If you are ready to thrive, get the ponies fed, fill those water buckets, grab your journal, and let's grow, girl. I'm here to help you thrive, to live inspired, fulfilled, and empowered. Welcome back to episode seven of the Thriving Equine Professional. We are on a roll with some amazing guests on the podcast. So I am so excited today to introduce our audience to you, Emma. So we have Emma Partridge with us, and Emma has the honor of being our youngest guest on the podcast so far. So episode seven, not too far in, but Emma, I couldn't be more thrilled that you agreed to come on and talk to us a little bit about your journey. It is so recent for you graduating college, moving into the equine industry. So I want our listeners to learn a little more about who you are and what makes you a thriving equine professional. I always like to tie in kind of how you ended up on the podcast and how you and I connected. So I will let our listeners know that uh, this really probably started close to a decade ago would have been when I met your mother for the first time. And so your mom, Emma, is another thriving equine professional and just has so much joy. Her and I have a lot of the same interests. We both love to camp. So we would run into each other uh, oftentimes at the Kentucky Horse Park campground for big events like Rolex and then Land Rover and things like that. But Emma, tell us a little bit, tell our listeners about who you are and kind of what stage you are at with your student to professional transition and this career of yours. Yeah. So you kind of touched on our history. So my mom is in the equine industry and so is my father. Uh, So I grew up in the thoroughbred industry. So my love for horses started at a very young age. I I grew up on a thoroughbred farm in central Kentucky. I did 4-H. I did pony club. Uh, I started competing in three-day eventing when I was in in middle school, I believe. And then I continued eventing throughout college, uh, where I then found my passion for science and research. So I recently graduated from the University of Kentucky with bachelor's in equine science in 2020. And then I got my master's in veterinary science in 2022. 
So I'm currently a lab scientist at Ardent Animal Health. We're a company that focuses on regenerative medicine for both small and large animals. And I currently have one off the track thoroughbred, Stanley, uh, who I got from my father's farm. And then uh, my upper level of intern, Max, is retired. So yeah, a little brief history about me. And you have done a lot of eventing and been very successful. If I'm not mistaken, you very recently started your 2023 show season on Stanley. I think I saw that on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. So I did uh, my first show this year with Stanley. This is his second year eventing. Uh, and we got second in the training division. So very awesome. proud of him. Congratulations. That Thank is you. a successful weekend. <laughs> He's a very good boy. I love it. I love seeing those pictures. And I know your parents are super proud also. <laughs> so Emma, today, I just think that you have a very unique perspective for our listeners in what you have gone through and experienced over the past few years and really what your perspective is. You even mentioned that word in our earlier conversations, but there were three points that I wrote down that I really wanted to talk with you about for the podcast. And the first one that jumped out to me, Emma, is imposter syndrome. So as, as a young person coming into a career, and especially a STEM career, right? So you are a researcher, right? And that's the space that you're in. So tell us why you are passionate about talking to your peers and maybe young women and others who are coming up through school behind you about imposter syndrome in, in your career and in your writing, you said. Yeah. So imposter syndrome, in case people aren't familiar with it, this is when a person doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and have an internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So despite the evidence of their competence, they do not believe that they deserve their success or credit their success to luck. So I honestly didn't even know this was a thing until I heard about it last year. And now I hear it talked about a lot with women in STEM. And even my friends talk about their experiences with imposter syndrome. So it's very comforting now to know that I'm not the only one experiencing it. So I experienced it a lot in my riding. So Max was my first event horse that I got in middle school. We moved up the levels together. We actually competed at Advanced, um, which is the highest national level of eventing. I'm now very proud of what I've accomplished with Max, but it was a very bumpy road emotionally uh, to achieve that pride. So after my first Advanced, all three phases went very well, but then when I came off of cross country, I thought to myself, I've done intermediate courses harder than that. That didn't feel like an advanced course. So I didn't feel like I had the right to say that I ran advanced. I was discrediting uh, a huge achievement of mine when in reality, it probably just felt easy because I had been preparing for this moment for seven years on my first event horse that I knew extremely well. And then a few months later, I went on to do Advanced at Red Hills, which is a Land Rover qualifier and a notoriously difficult track. And I had a run out on cross country, which absolutely crushed me. I finished the rest of the course where everything rode perfectly. And I even had a clear jump stadium the next day, but I was still hung up on that one mistake. 
So I had a difficult time calling myself an advanced rider because I had felt that my first advance didn't count and that I had that second hiccup or I had that hiccup in the second advance. So I felt like I couldn't really call myself an advanced rider. And then also at the competitions, I was competing with top level riders and horses, and I didn't feel like I belonged because they were so accomplished and I felt like an imposter among them. So it probably took me about a year to realize that I was being way too hard on myself and that I actually did deserve that title. And it was just really important for me to just take a breath, look back at everything I had accomplished and be proud of what I had achieved. And I'm so much happier now with that mindset. And then outside of writing, I had experienced imposter syndrome as I pursued a career in research. So you're constantly working with professionals that are experts in a certain field. And sometimes I would feel so stupid uh, for saying dumb things, or I'd feel like there's no way I'm going to make it in this industry because I, I don't know absolutely everything on this one subject like they would. But in reality, they have decades of experience compared to me, and I'm still in the learning process. So it can be really easy to be hard on yourself while you're still learning and growing, but you have to give yourself some credit for how far you've come. Absolutely. You are wise beyond your years, Emma. (laughs) I think there was so much uh, to that. And even just the understanding and recognizing how that feels. And so you were saying that in the past, you really a year ago, a little more than a year ago, couldn't even define imposter syndrome. And now we are having these conversations about it. I focus very, very much on three pillars as we continue to build this brand, right? And support those of you are who are pursuing careers in the equine industry. And I talk a lot about clarity, confidence, and community. And that really speaks to confidence and being able to recognize that in order to grow confidence, oftentimes we have to be courageous. So I think it goes right into one of the other points that I want to hear you talk about, and that is to try everything. So there's a lot of enthusiasm when you, Emma, say try everything. And then the wisdom of you made the statement, get uncomfortable. So when we talk about clarity and confidence, um, you talk a lot about trying everything and the lessons that you learned in doing that over the past few years. So tell us a little bit about the try everything advice for your peers. Yeah. So I really don't think no one is going to be able to know what they like until they try it. And that's what your 20s are about. You have a lot more time on your hands and you have a lot more, lot less to lose. You are able to actually push yourself and look at those, those different things. So I didn't know that I liked eventing until I tried it. I didn't know that I liked research till and try until I tried it. So I do really think it's important to try new things, even if they do scare you, because it might end up being something that you are deeply passionate about. And even if you don't end up liking it, you still learn something new and you can hopefully apply that experience to some other point in your life. So I really do think that there's value in everything you do do. And you may be surprised with what you end up liking or even disliking. And sometimes we learn so much by learning what we don't want to do more so than learning what it is exactly that we want to do. Exactly. Yeah. 
So you have, when you say try everything, I think I saw that you have had a variety of, shall we say, critters. So <laughs> I'm always interested that beyond our normal, you and I, I think both love horses and dogs, but you've had some other experiences in your journey as well. So tell us a few of those standout memories. Yeah. So I have had a quite a few different jobs all throughout high school and college. And one of my jobs was a research job in Nicholasville, where I was able to work with a ton of different animals. I have pretty much had my mindset on horses. Uh, but with this job, I was able to work with cattle, llamas, alpacas, um, chickens, uh, fish, which was aquaculture was very interesting. So I was just able to really open my mind to what else is being researched out there. And I ended up really liking, for example, the fish research, which is, which is something I would never even think about looking into. Yes. So, yeah. And it speaks to a couple of things I think that are important for us, especially as we get started. And I immediately think of the word versatility. And while many of us want to pursue careers that are equine specific, the more versatile we are across different experiences and different species and those different jobs, to your point, I think the more capable we are of standing out through an interview process and really being able to have a perspective that an employer is looking for, that you are able to really pull from some different experiences that show that you can get uncomfortable and try new things and look for creative ways to achieve the tasks and the responsibilities of a job. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that um, I would always try to push with my friends too. So in college, I'd have friends that were really set on vet school. So they would just in equine and wanted to work um, with horses strictly. So they would only work with equine veterinarians. And so I would try to help explain to them, you know, it looks really good to have a variety of different species, maybe throw in some research in your on your resume as well. Variety looks great on paper. And it's also really valuable experience for you as well. Yes. You must be a sought after friend and peer <laughs> for uh for your age group. I think there's there's an awful lot that you're able to share that I know we we don't oh I was not that wise at your age is really probably the <laughs> simplest way to say it. I don't I know that I was not that wise. So the third thing you mentioned so we talked about imposter syndrome, we talked about your advice to try everything. And the third point that you made to me Emma that really stood out was to change your perspective. And so I thought that was a really, again, wise, I keep saying that word, but a wise way to say you get out what you put in. So tell us why you thought that was really important to share with others. Yeah, so I, for one, just really do not like complaining. I think um, complaining every now and then is normal and healthy, but if you're complaining about every situation that you're involved in, you may need to change your perspective on life. Um, I don't think a, a negative attitude will get you very far in life. It's a big pet peeve of mine whenever people would say, this class is a waste of time. This part of my job is beneath me. I'm better than this. 
I really believe that, like what you said, you get what you put into it. And I believe that there's always opportunity for you to grow and learn in every situation. So I've made some really important connections with people during my stall mucking jobs, where that was the only thing I had to do was muck stalls. But I was able to make really good connections with people that I have been able to utilize later in my career. Um, And I have learned valuable information and classes that were on a topic that I originally had no interest in. So I think there's always opportunity in everything that you do. Yes, for sure. I think when when you told me, you said that you hear often that someone doesn't want to take this class. I don't want to take this class. It's not, I don't need this class. What's it going to do for me? And you are quick to say every one of the classes that I've taken, I got something out of. And I just think that's really brilliant advice. Yeah, thank you. I think you kind of have to have that kind of perspective to just to grow and become a better person, too. It can be hard to get to that point too. It can. For no matter what age we are or what stage in our career, sometimes we do have to be reminded that it is, um, it's all about being positive and changing our perspective. So tell us more. I know that we love to hear the stories of the guests that we have on this podcast. And so my number one question for you, Emma, is why research, how you landed in the research space and what you love about that. I say often to our young people that I'm speaking with that when we get out of college, when we're going through the college time of our life, there's just so much to consider. And we consider about a half a dozen jobs. And once we get out into the world, all of a sudden we're like, wow, I might have been thinking about six job opportunities, but there are really 6,000 different jobs out here. And so many of us don't talk about what it means to be in research. So if you will, for us, first of all, probably explain, let's explain the acronym STEM and then tell us why research. Tell us about that story. Yeah, so um, STEM represents science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, I believe. Sorry if I'm incorrect in that. No, I um, think so. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I always really loved nature and I always really loved biology. As a kid, I just loved like looking at bugs and different reptiles and just uh, watching Animal Planet and making new discoveries. And I think that making new discoveries is the big thing that always stuck with me, why I fell so passionate for research. We might, there's so many things in the veterinary science world that we don't have the answers to. And I love being able to work towards finding those answers uh, and being able to help horses through that. I think that there's so many opportunities in research to help better the horse. And I just love working towards that. I've worked on some really cool projects throughout my academic career that I'm really proud of and I think have really made an impact on the on the equine uh, industry. And that's just a great feeling to have. Absolutely. And I would say if the first time that you see your name in print on a published paper has to be a moment that you feel pretty proud. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's what I put in my personal statement when I applied to grad school, because at that point, I had one or two publications 
And that was one of the things I wrote in my public uh, on my personal statement. I was like, I, I love seeing my name published. I can't wait to <laughs> keep adding to it. <laughs> Excellent. Now, so I'll ask this question of you then. Do you have interest in additional schooling? Are you pretty confident in where you are educationally and academically? And now you are pursuing your professional yeah, I don't really have an answer for that now. I flip flop. I'm a very indecisive person. <laughs> I flip flop <laughs> with that a lot. I'm happy with my choice and not pursuing a PhD right away. I think there was a lot more that I needed to learn, that I needed to grow emotionally and intellectually uh, before making that next step. And I'm still not sure if I'm uh, ready for that, but I would. Now I'm more confident that if I did decide to go into a PhD, that I would be able to prepare myself in a better manner than if I had just kind of gone into it straight at my master's. Okay. Maybe. That, maybe. Right. We never know. I am always quick to say, what do I want to do when I grow up next? So <laughs> yeah. I, leaving those options open is important because what we think we're going to be doing five years from now and what we are going to be doing five years from now is often very different. Yeah, based on the experiences and the people along the journey. So, but that brings me to a question for you. Uh, when, when we talk about your educational endeavors and then the career that you have since built, talk a little bit about time management and being able to have this career that is a part of your everyday life and being able to compete Stanley. And so talk about that time management and what that looks like for a young professional. Yeah. So I actually listened to your most recent podcast about work-life balance <laughs> and that <laughs> really resonated with me. I know you were probably trying not to use that phrase. <laughs> No, not at all. I like to use that phrase, Emma, and say that I, I just want to make sure that we are not making people crazy. I think that one, that one I titled that, is it killing our soul? Because yeah. I want to hear from someone like you that says, listen, it really is time management more yeah. than work-life balance, right? And I really Terminology. And I really liked how you said it's not work versus life or they're not competing. The two are not competing yeah. against each other. So yeah, after listening to that episode, it really made me have to reevaluate a few things uh, and think about it in a completely different way. So when I first started my job last year, going to the barn after working eight hours started to feel like a chore. I wasn't getting home until late, then I have to go to bed shortly um, after getting home. And I just felt like I didn't have a life and was exhausted at the end of each day. So I needed to make a change. So I was lucky to find someone that does a half lease on my horse. And now we have a nice system where she rides him a few days a week. I ride him the other few days a week. I ride in the mornings now, now that, now that it's warm out. Um, so then I have the rest of the evening um, to myself. And now I feel like I'm in a really good place uh, where I can enjoy riding um, and not feel exhausted or stressed. And then I also feel like I'm in a good place where my riding and my career complement each other. So my job focuses on the health of the horse, um, which is something that everyone at my barn can relate to. So now I'm able to have more career-driven conversations with my friends at the barn. And I'm able to learn from them and even make connections with them that help advance my career. So if I had decided to stop riding as soon as I started my job, there would have been probably at least three big opportunities that I can think of right now 
that I would have missed out on that have been really important for my job. So yeah, so there are a lot of things that I've learned from my job that I've also been able to utilize uh, to improve the health of my horse. So I really do think that together, my riding and my career do help me um, achieve fulfillment. So yeah, and I think you would probably agree when I say it's such an evolution, and it looks different. So depending on where we are in life and what our job demands are and those kinds of things. But really being, like you said, able to ask yourself some questions and evaluate what is time management for me and what does that look like? And how do I want to spend my time and with do I want to spend it with? Yeah, exactly. And it took a little bit of trial and error to figure that out, but it still might not work out for the next few. At some point in my life, it might not work out again. I might have to reevaluate and change up a few other things. So just take it as it comes. Yeah. So Emma, I am curious for you, as you consider the past few years, obviously your timing of graduation probably looked very different because of a little thing called COVID. When we think about a student today who is graduating, maybe they just graduated in the past few weeks, right? It's graduation season. Maybe they're headed into their senior year here in the fall, or maybe they're in their first year of being out of school. What would your advice be on seeking out career opportunities and what do you think some of those challenges are as you make that transition from student to professional? I know there's a couple of questions in there, but I'm really curious about your advice being so recent through that process of here were my aha moments or here is my advice. Tell us a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So we might have to go back to a few of the questions, but to start with, so getting close to the end of my master's, you know, I'm trying to look for different jobs, not sure exactly what I want to do, but just knowing that I want to do something in research and hopefully equine um, related. So I really looked in my network that I have developed over the past few years. So I got my current job uh, because I knew somebody at the company. I met this friend in college and we had worked two jobs together. So she knew my work ethic. She knew my values. The position that I accepted didn't originally exist, but I had a friend that believed in me and her boss believed in her judgment. So they created a position for me. So I think it's really important to make a good quality network of people that would be able to vouch for you and that believe in you. So I think you do discuss that in one of your past episodes, <laughs> quality over quantity um, with yeah. your network and utilize that network. Don't let people fizzle out or don't burn. Don't try to burn bridges. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I love that. Creating that community of champions, you know, when yeah. those opportunities come up or when you are are out there looking, I feel like that transition is one of the most daunting and can be a little frightening to leave the student life sometimes when we think about it forever we're no longer a student and now it's time to start hashtag adulting (laughs) and so that can seem really overwhelming so I want our listeners to hear you really talk about making that last couple of years now successful 
and how you've done that. Yeah, so it was a very big transition. Luckily, I think my master's really helped prepare me for more of the professional world. When I started my master's, I was talking to a lot more important people. I was I had a lot more responsibilities. So I help, I think that really helped wean me into the career that I have today. It can be really hard to be complete a complete professional 40 hours a week. <laughs> Uh, 52 hours or 52 uh, <laughs> weeks out of the year. But I mean, you just take every day, take every day, one step at a time. It can be really overwhelming at times, but just take a breath, look back at everything that you've done and how far you come and just keep pushing forward. Yes. Be proud of yourself, but also laugh. Right. Yes. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being a professional doesn't mean that you can't have fun. Right. <laughs> that we can still celebrate life. I always have to work yeah. in my little, that's my my favorite theme is celebrate mm -hmm. life. And so Emma, you have covered so much for us. And I think the imposter syndrome, first and foremost, really being able to address that as a an early 20s young professional in this industry. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that it really does speak to your confidence and the process of gaining some of that confidence. It also speaks to one of the terms that now I've mentioned a couple times in our episodes is comparisonitis. And mm -hmm. that recognizing for you that it is not about comparing what you're doing, what role you've chosen, how you choose to manage your time between work and horses and other things, but you do you. And mm -hmm. you do you, Emma, so beautifully. So I, I appreciate all of the advice today and the insights that you've shared for our audience. So as a reminder, uh, you covered imposter syndrome, you covered try everything and get uncomfortable and to change your perspective that you get what you put in. And there, those are just three really important points to share as we continue to watch you, I know that I am excited to continue to watch you thrive as an equine industry professional. Do you, as we as we close here today and leave one another, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? If you'd like to invite them to follow you anywhere, please let us know any parting words or or ways that that our listeners can connect with you. I just go kind of back to trying everything. I mean, I'm really grateful for all of my experiences the past few, like ever since I left high school, I've worked a bunch of different jobs. I met a lot of different people through those jobs. You learn so much. You have so many different opportunities presented to you. You make a really good network. So don't get stuck. Try different things. And as far as social media goes, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm not that active, but I have an Instagram. <laughs> I think it's Emma Partridge 14. And I think that's all the social media I have. But okay. yeah, I just want to thank you so much for having me, Jody. Um, oh, no, thank you. And you're also on LinkedIn, I know. Because oh, and LinkedIn. We, yes. yes. So you. that's a big one for me. So I want to make sure that they know they can connect with you in LinkedIn. And again, we've created a new group in conjunction yes. with this podcast of the Thriving Equine Professional. So Emma, thank you for sharing how well you are thriving. And we really appreciate you being with us today. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. I'm very honored and flattered by everything you had to say. So thank you so much.
friend, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, first, I want you to go share it with a friend. Second, I would be so grateful if you would pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review so I know you're here. And finally, come join me in our private LinkedIn group, The Thriving Equine Professional, as we build this community of equine leaders.